This is a Baby Brunch podcast. We don't just deal with the fluffy side of parenting because there there is the other side. And the reason we're doing this topic is because we've had a lot of questions around it. Hypertension in pregnancy is always dangerous for mom and baby, but the outcomes are more severe for both mom and baby in the case of preeclampsia. This podcast is supported by Epimax Baby and Junior. The range of Epimax Baby and Junior gentle all-purpose emollient moisturizers is an all-day, everyday favorite for babies and children. Give your child a good start to every day by nourishing and protecting their skin with Epimax. It's probably not a good idea to Google any health condition online. Today we're talking preeclampsia. Usually they say it begins after 20 weeks of pregnancy in women whose blood pressure had been normal. It can lead to serious, even fatal complication for both mother and baby. Helping us understand this definition that I found online preeclampsia is Dr. Mbumi Zender, better known as Dr. Gaimi. She's a gynecologist and sexologist, and you can follow her on Instagram at Dr. Gaimi. She's helped many, many people, and she's helped a lot of us listening to babybranch.co.za. Dr. Mbumi, your day is busy. We appreciate your time. We're talking preeclampsia today. Now, I've just given an explanation that I found online. Does this ring true? Absolutely. So any woman who did not previously have high blood pressure before the pregnancy and the, and they, and the tricky part is that we must have known that even in the beginning of the pregnancy, they were not hypertensive and it only develops after 20 weeks of the pregnancy. That's when we then classify it as preeclampsia. Also, I want to start track back before you get to preeclampsia. Anything that happens, hypertension that happens before 20 weeks, we know it as chronic hypertension in pregnancy. After 20 weeks, there are subcategories. So you get pregnancy disorders that are not associated with multi-organ dysfunction. And then preeclampsia is specifically hypertension occurring after 20 weeks with one or more organ or target organ damage. That's what differentiates because you do get women who will have hypertensive disorders after 20 weeks, but it's not preeclampsia. So which one is dangerous for me as the mom and which one is dangerous for baby? Hypertension in pregnancy is always dangerous for mom and baby, but the outcomes are more severe for both mom and baby in the case of preeclampsia, it's a more severe because of that multi-organ target factor. If, if, if I may say something that people may not even be aware of is when you look at reports that we call maternal death reports or causes of moms and babies um, to, to, to die during pregnancy, hypertension sits as one of the top three. Whoa. Okay. So hold on. So you're going to have to backtrack and help me understand this again, because, you know, most of the time we want nothing. We want no illnesses. We don't, we don't want to Google. We don't want to be online. So backtrack for us. Okay. Start with, with conditions that you develop in pregnancy and when is it dangerous for either mom or baby? 
So any condition, I mean, like I said, when you look at the top three causes of maternal deaths, the first one being infection, we are at an era where specifically looking at um, you know, HIV. We are in a space now where moms are not dying as much because of the, 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 the ARVs, but infection is still a non-pregnancy related infection is still the top cause. Number two, it used to be hypertension, but actually it used to be hemorrhage. Now it's hypertension that's sitting at number two, right? Um, and, and one of the reasons is because hypertension is not painful, very often moms don't really feel anything um, and particularly in low service or low income groups, that's where you find the greatest mortality. And then number three is hemorrhage, which is bleeding out during um, either a delivery or whatever reason that may be causing um, the, the, the hemorrhage. So thanks for defining that. But this sounds alarming. And so we want to bring reassurance. How, how does one get diagnosed? I mean, we, we don't want, we want everyone to be okay. So it is reassuring to know that part of the guidelines of any antenatal uh, program, one, it's important that your antenatal program is at least eight visits or more. Anything less always leaves room for things to be missed. So in your antenatal program, whether you are attending publicly or privately, should at least be eight visits. Secondly, in every single visit, we screen for hypertension. So you should be having your, your blood pressure checked. You should be getting your urine checked. What do we look for in the urine? One of the things that can be alarming is finding what we call protein. So protein should not be coming through your urine. If it is, it is one of the signals that we should be screening and checking your blood to see if you're not preeclamptic. So the very nature of how antenatal care is designed is that it should be picking up these issues early on. Should we find a woman that is pregnant um, during, that is pregnant with hypertension, we then go through the benefit versus, you know, adverse effect of keeping baby inside. Because here's the deal. With hypertension, the cure for it of pregnancy-induced hypertension or preeclampsia is, is actually delivery of baby. But sometimes if it's developing as early as 22 weeks, 24 weeks, that baby is not suitable to go out of mom's womb. So we try and buy time by treating or trying to minimize the effects of the hypertension on both mom and baby until such a time that baby is at least able to survive outside. If we hit a snag though, where the, the disease has progressed so fast, it's starting to put mom's life in danger or even baby's life in danger, then we have to bail out. We've had sometimes to take baby out to save mom um, even too soon, and sometimes babies don't make it. I understand. Doctor, you you have to deal with quite a lot because what Parenting Baby Brunch has done so far is we don't just deal with the fluffy side of parenting because there, there is the other side. And the reason mm. we're doing this topic is because we've had a lot of questions around it. Um, 
the other topic that a lot of moms have asked us to deal with, which we'll deal with at a later stage, but was, was postnatal depression. And so these, these are all things that worry us, you know, apart from just having a baby and just enjoying being pregnant, you know, the, I think our moms are concerned. So thanks for being open to, to talk about this and to discuss it. These are a few of the, the questions that have come through and I want you to, to let me know whether it is true or not. Uh, preeclampsia is something that right. I've done, this one says. Uh, it's my fault. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's never your fault. Um, and you often cannot predict unless um, one of the, the key indicators sometimes is if you've had a previous pregnancy where you had a hypertensive disorder, then you are more prone to having um, another uh, hypertensive disorder, be it hypertensive uh, induced, I mean, pregnancy induced hypertension or preeclampsia itself. So you don't, you don't choose it. Um, and when you look at the causes or what we, although we know that it's kind of like elusive things that um, do play a role or a kind of risk factors are things like, you know, being a very young mom, so teen pregnancies or advanced maternal age, um, in women who have diabetes, in women who have multiple pregnancies, so twins or higher orders in, in terms of pregnancy. As I have said, anybody who's had a previous um, hypertensive disorder in a pregnancy prior is also uh, um, prone to that. So it is never, ever your fault. Uh, here's another one that we got. Uh, does uh, preeclampsia mean my baby will be born prematurely? Very often, yes, depending on the severity, but not always. It depends on the severity. The earlier preeclampsia occur, the more likely that the prematurity, because remember I said the disease progression doesn't actually stop, even though we do give treatment, we just kind of slow it down. So sometimes if we pick up preeclampsia from like 22 weeks, um, you've still got quite a long way to go. And sometimes we may have to um, uh, uh, deliver prematurely. There's a question here that I can relate to. And until today, I actually didn't realize that my mom had uh, hypertension when she had me, you know, my mom was in her thirties when she had me as a baby. And I want to know if this rings true. Um, I'll first tell you my story and then ask the question. So I had low blood pressure before I had my babies. And um, my last pregnancy was four years ago and five years ago. And, and I remember my blood pressure being higher in my pregnancies and my blood pressure has now stabilized. I'm no longer, I no longer have low blood pressure, but now it's considered normal. So does it ring true that if you had oh. high blood pressure in your pregnancies, that it stays with you, uh, which it has stayed with my mom. Uh, my blood pressure has stabilized where I had oh. low blood pressure before. And then this question is asking, what's the long-term effects? You know, do I, does it stay with us? Yeah. So you, you actually raise a very important point and it's yes and no in the sense that for it to truly be preeclampsia or uh, pregnancy induced hypertension, 
it does, it, the, the actual symptoms do subside after delivery, right? But there is a long-term effect in that now we know that women who had preeclampsia in their pregnancies, even if it subsided afterwards, because then we would know that it's not chronic hypertension, um, they are prone to hypertension in the future, cardiovascular uh, disease. Um, Yeah, so there is a, a correlation in somebody having hypertension at a later stage in, 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 in the years if you've had an hypertensive disorder. Doctor, you're not just an advocate for our babies, but also for moms and for sexual health. And then also we want to know how we can stay healthy so that we can at least raise our children and have fun. So what is the yeah. long-term maintenance around this? I mean, now we've had our babies, uh, our blood pressure and our health is back to considered normal or healthy. Do we have to go for regular checkups just like we do with baby? How do we manage this Um, and how does it not become an issue or a problem again or eventually? A hundred percent. We must still continue to do our checkups. I think one of the questions that are in a discussion, I said, we, we often don't realize the risk factors that we carry around. And you'll find as, as women talking and saying things like, Oh, I'm so comfortable in my skin. Meanwhile, we're sitting with BMIs that are a little bit higher, um, you know, than, than what we should. In terms of looking after our, particularly our lifestyle uh, provoked things, we, we don't do very well. And, and sometimes it feels like a burden on us doctors. When somebody comes in, they are like 120 kgs and they're like, I'm pregnant help me. And I'm like, but how, you know, so there is a responsibility. And I think what we are doing, you and I is we educate to bring the awareness so that women can know or families can know that when you take care, when you look after your, your lifestyle, um, when you have a healthy BMI, when you have, when you train, when you eat well, you are contributing well, not only to your future pregnancies, but also to your longevity as a woman menopausing, as a woman, um, uh, um, you know, who would otherwise be prone to, you know, all the chronic illnesses, especially the ones that are related to lifestyle. So there, there is a dual responsibility, both to us as educators, but also to us as a community to say, what are we doing? What preventative measures are we putting in place and taking responsibility so that we can raise our children and actually be grandparents at some point. Your answer is beautiful. And it's even given me a responsibility to actually go out there and run. It's not just good for our mental health, but it's also good for our overall health. Dr. Mpumi Zender, it is wonderful speaking to you. Follow Dr. Pumpumi um, at Dr. Gaini on social media. And I want to end with this. They say failing to exhale properly is a common symptom of high blood pressure. For now, take a deep breath and don't forget to see your gynae. Thank you so much, doctor. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for doing this, for bringing this to the people. We are definitely changing the world. This podcast was supported by Epimax Baby and Junior. Epimax Baby and Junior is dermatologist approved, free of artificial colorants and fragrances, and is safe to use from birth. Touch, nourish, love your child's skin with Epimax Baby and Junior. Available from leading pharmacies and retail stores.